they will lead you to where you need to be, right? But you, you, you have to check your ego at the door and really listen. Welcome to The Irresistible Factor, a podcast where I talk to founders and investors and retailers about what it takes to launch successful brands, from developing a compelling proposition and brand identity, to raising capital, to getting distribution, and more. My name is Christy Bridges, and I'm a marketing expert with tons of experience and a true love for all things health and wellness. Welcome to today's episode of The Irresistible Factor. I'm speaking today with Norm Snyder, who is the CEO of Reeds, which is an innovative, high-quality beverage company, and you may have heard of it. Um, If not, I highly recommend looking it up, and we're going to have an awesome conversation today with Norm. So, Norm, thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Christy, for having me. I'm glad to be here. Can you start by just telling us a little bit about Reeds, like how long the brand's been around, what you guys are all about? Sure, sure. Reeds is a 30-year-old company which when I think about that's pretty amazing. It was founded in Southern California by a gentleman named Chris Reed, who loved ginger, believed in the efficacy of ginger and the various properties that it had. And there was nothing he could find in the market. So literally in his garage, he created this drink and commercialized it and started selling to the natural food segment, expanded into grocery. But I mean, it's something to be said that you create a brand that has durability to last 30 years and has the tremendous brand recognition that it has. I mean, when I took this job, I had so many friends reach out to me and say, dude, that's my ginger beer. I can't believe this. Now, also, we have two portfolios, although the name of the company is Reed's Inc. And we have the Reed's brand of ginger beers and ginger ale. You know, we also have the Virgil's portfolio, which is a line of high premium craft sodas. You know, I think our, our most famous product is our, obviously our, our root beer, to say our ginger ale, no, our root beer. But it's a 30-year-old company and it's grown, you know, over those 30 years, it's now a nationally known brand available in grocery, natural, mass market, big box stores, club stores, military, liquor stores, on-premise and online. So it's really grown into all these various channels. I mean, it's been the the leading ginger beer in the ginger beer category. We just recently introduced our ginger ale and we are the only mainstream ginger ale that actually uses get this real ginger, right? Most of our competition will use extracts or flavors, but no real ginger in it. And our ginger beer, I want to just take a moment, you know, something I'm really proud of. And I don't think, well, obviously our consumers that drink it understand this, you know, this is one of the most the highest quality products in the time that we take and the ingredients that we source throughout the world. For instance, our ginger is organic ginger grown in the outside of the Amazon in Peru. And it's, you know, some of the best tasting ginger that you can buy in the world. Our, you know, ginger, we also have a line of candies. Our, our ginger chews come from Indonesia. Our, our crystallized ginger comes from Fiji. So, you know, we source them all over the world. but you know, we use the finest ingredients and there is a difference in our products that you can taste. I mean, we use by far the best ingredients and the most intricate process for all of our products, but particularly our ginger products. And I think it really reflects that. So I'm I'm proud of our products. I'm proud of the brand and how it's evolved and, and that, that it has this sustained power to be in existence for 
you know, over 30 years. That's a really incredible story, actually. And I'm wondering about the idea of fresh ginger in a beverage. I mean, that feels like it happened way, way before its time. And now there's so much talk about ingredients like ginger and how what the real true health benefits of it are. But 30 years ago, nobody was talking about that. No, no. You know, we have, it's, it's funny you, you point that out. You know, we have a consumer hotline and I see numerous requests from either patients or hospitals treating cancer that ginger helps with nausea, right? Yep. Ask us to send candies to the hospital for children or we'll get nuts from consumers. This is the only product. My wife's sick. This is the only product she can drink. It helps her, you know, and it's funny when you get into a situation like this now when I fly and I've recently started flying again, but when the beverage cart comes down the aisle, how many people order ginger ale on an airplane? Yeah. And it kind of goes back to my mother, my grandmother, when we didn't feel well, we had an upset, upset stomach. They gave us ginger ale. And my wife does that with our kids too. So, you know, it's been known as, and you know, the other thing is if you, hopefully you haven't or never will, but if you have spent any time in a hospital, the beverage that they serve the most is ginger ale. Yep. And, you know, we're the real deal. So if you want that efficacy, you have to really drink real ginger. You're not, you're not going to find those properties in ginger flavor or ginger extract, but real ginger. Yeah, absolutely. So what's the trajectory of the brand been like? Is it have been a steady growth for the past 25 years or different? Well, look, I tip my hat to the founder, but, you know, similar to most companies, you, you reach a point where that individual can only take you so far and there needs, you know, be managed professionally. And I think we have that. So it had some really incredible growth spurts, but then it, it hit a wall. And primarily not because of the of the popularity of the product or the brand, but because of production and sourcing snafus. And I think that's what's held the, 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 the company and the brand back. Now, one of the kind of neat things is not only have we, we've solved that, but there's no shortage of innovation and product ideas using ginger that's out there. So we're starting to see some really nice sustainable growth that we believe uh, we can continue well into the future. And that's exciting. And that's the, you know, that's kind of the fun part of the job is growing that top line. And there's no shortage of, of great product ideas. And it seems like the, the products that we've introduced recently have really resonated well with today's consumer that wants healthier options, you know, all natural, better for you and great tasting. Yeah. I mean, great tasting is still the cost of entry, even though people want right. better for you for sure. So how long have you been with the company? Just shy of two years. Okay. And what's changed since, I mean, you got there at a crazy time. I, I, that was right before COVID started, right? Yeah. What's changed. I think, you know, one of the things that I really believe in is the culture mm-hmm. and if people are happy and communicating one plus one plus one plus one equals 20, yeah. not four. So I think that's the biggest thing. Obviously, I think I've kind of articulated what our goals are and what we want to accomplish. And it's distilled down to the lowest level. So part of that is, one, you have to tell people, but two, you have to distill it down to what do you, how do you contribute to that? 
So, you know, as corny as it sounds, you know, everybody has annual goals and objectives that we really break out that way. And we have a formal review process that's collaborative. It's just not me reviewing you. It's you reviewing yourself and me putting my spin on it. So it's creating culture of expectation, of success, of communication. I mean, I believe there's no such thing as too much communication. And I think, you know, saying this is our goal. These are our key milestones. How do we get there? So I think people want to be led, but you just can't go out and throw up a number or, you know, this is what we want to be. We want to be the number one player in the ginger category. Well, what does that mean? Yeah. And how do you, how do you you measure that? How do you define it? So I think that's been the biggest change is goal setting, breaking it down. How do we get there? And I think people like that and they see it and they buy into it. And as a result, our performance as a company has really increased tremendously. Awesome. What is, when you think about what the next couple of years look like, is it all about innovation? Is it about expansion of your markets? Well, this year we're fighting a two front battle, right? So it's not about just top line growth, but I thought once we got through COVID, it's going to be like, okay, this is cool. We made it through. But the post COVID environment has been worse. Yeah. What I mean by that? Yeah, but I want, I'm I'm just going to pause for a second because I want to I want people to really listen to this because it's it's come up in so many interviews I've done and I haven't really focused a lot on it. But I think the post COVID environment is really tough, and I'd love to hear your your take on that because I've heard it from so many people, and I think everyone made the same assumption you did. We're over COVID. We made it through. Whoopee! Life's going to be a party again, but not true, right? Yeah, we thought what I thought was strategically okay. Buying patterns of change. How do we adapt ourselves to that? Right? To me, that was the biggest challenge, and that and that still exists. But what's what's emerged, which is even bigger. And so I'll, I'll ask a question for you. What keeps you up at night? I'm going to tell you what keeps me up at night. The supply chain is in disarray, like I've never ever experienced in my entire career. I told our folks, you know. We've got to be planning in like nine greater periods of time, like a minimum 90 day blocks. We've got to be not planning in six month blocks. You know, we ordered things overseas that we thought we'd had one to two months cushion that came in one to two months late because it sat in a ship outside of port. Yeah. So we found out and thank God we've, we, we've adopted this. We found out that we can't buy caps for our bottles this month. We have enough in inventory. Lead times have gone up line time because manufacturers cannot find line workers, believe it or not. Is it a premium? I mean, everyone's kind of stacked up to have more output, but the one ingredient that they need is is laborers to make it work they don't have. So you could wake up one morning and find out what you thought was going to happen next week can't happen because this happened, right? Mm -hmm. So every aspect of our supply chain, I mean, Everyone knows about what's going on with cans, so we're importing cans. But even then, we thought we were ahead of the curve, but they sat in a ship for two months after we needed it, right? Every aspect. And, I'm, and I know, like, for, for example, my son screwed up a jet ski, and the guy from the jet ski repair shop just called me and said, it's done, except we're waiting on one part. I don't know when that part's going to come. Yeah. Right? One part. I mean, so it's everybody. I mean, I went to buy a new washer and dryer and thank god the model they had we wanted was the last on the floor model otherwise we had to wait six months yeah so 
this is what keeps me up at night because you know, with our business, it's not like, okay, we don't need that ingredient. We could just make it. Yeah. It holds up everything. So supply chain is driving everybody crazy. And despite the fact that people know that it's going on, retailers still get very angry if you're late on an order. Right. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know when this is going to stop. That's the hard part. And we're just going to have to prepare ourselves that it's, it's not for a while. You know, I'm hearing next year, perhaps things get back to normal. But And then the second part of that, which is a, the supply chain is exacerbating this situation, is the cost of transportation and freight. Thank God we don't have to ship a lot of stuff across the oceans because ocean freight has gone from $2,500 a container to up to $15,000 a container. Wow. And then just over the road freight has doubled. Right now, the good news is I think we've reached the peak and it's starting to come back down. And a lot of people are saying that. So it's not just me, but those are things that you don't plan. How do you plan for? And, you know, the the supply chain is exacerbates the, the logistics cost because you may have to ship things in multiple loads rather than one. Wow. There's so there's just so much more than you ever could imagine. No, I've never seen it. I've never experienced this. The, the only way I could describe it, it's like South America with hyperinflation in the in the 80s, you know, where yeah. your dollar bought you this or your real bought you this today, but it takes three X tomorrow. And yeah. it's unprecedented in my lifetime. I mean, I've just never, I've never dealt with it. And it's, we have meetings every morning. What's going on? How do, how do we mitigate it? What's our backup plan? And the key is we've just invested more in inventory and ordered further in advance. And it's most of the time helped us. But when, you know, you have one of those shockwaves hit, it's the question is, okay, they say it's going to, we're okay for this month because we've ordered enough. But two months from now, when they say it's going to hit, is it really going to be there? And if it doesn't, what do we do? Yeah. You know, those are some, because then you'll say, hey, all right, can I get at least a generic cap, right? We don't have any. So you're making decisions that you normally wouldn't have to make. And again, you know, you have like a, a big promotion going on and it's like, oh my God, I thought I'd have all this product ready for it. And now I'm late because this one ingredient didn't show up. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. The, the number of challenges, like I was going to ask you, one of my questions was going to be, what's your biggest challenge, but it sounds like there are so many right now that you were yeah. thinking about. Yeah. The easiest part and the fun part is selling and building the top line. Yeah. Because we have great products. And when you have great products, you know, people recognize that. And and our innovation, you know, our ginger ale being one, but we've come up with this line of mocktails. You know, people have said, hey, we want healthier options and we don't necessarily want to go out and consume alcohol when we go yep. out. But yep. we don't want to be, you know, we don't want to be drinking a can of Diet Coke. Yeah. Um, they've done really well. So the fun thing is, you know, we're coming up with healthier, better for you, but very tasty options that people like. And that's kind of the fun part. And that takes your mind off the bad stuff, <laughs> right? Because, you, yeah. you know, hey, we still have something that people want, but it's just, it's kind of, like I said, going to bed at night, I'm like, oh, wow, what am I, is this going to happen? I think we've covered ourselves here. So you're thinking a lot more about things that you never would ever, ever think about. Yep. But how does that affect you from a marketing standpoint? Because I've heard some people say, I can't do any marketing right now because I don't know what's happening with my supply chain. 
You know, that's a good question. It definitely has delayed some things. Yeah. Primarily because we don't know when things will be ready. The other aspect is when you're in an environment like this, it kind of behooves us to conserve cash and not go out and spend it because we may have to buy more raw materials than we normally would. Yep. But we're still doing it because, you know, our message, in fact, we've just, we've just launched a campaign, Real is Always Better, you know, based on the premise that we use real ginger and real ingredients. And we kicked that off because that's who we are and we want to tell the world and we have, you know, with the, with this ginger ale growing the way it is and, and we're growing, we're adding distribution that we need to support it, but we're being somewhat one dimensional in our marketing that way. Yeah. And not, not doing multiple campaigns that I'd like to be doing. So, but it, we delayed it. We delayed it probably six months. Yep. That's interesting. And then from a, like, I, I think everyone's dealing with the same issues in a lot of ways, but that doesn't mean the retailers are going to be any more patient with you either from a... You lead into a great point. So they, they're they not patient with you, but what they did was, they I call it retailer amnesty. They waived late fees and other issues, you know, okay. shipments. They were kind enough to say, look, we understand what's going on. We're not going to charge you for these things. We're still going to be angry with you if you do it, but we're not going to charge you, <laughs> right? And they yeah. did, they, and they were still angry, but guess what? They're waving those now. They're, they're going back to like, Hey, if you're, you know, effective this date, if you're late, make it no uncertain terms, we are going to find you. <laughs> wow. So the amnesty is over. Wow. That's so interesting. I mean, that is kind of crazy too, but I'm sure all the same things are happening to every brand, which doesn't make it feel better, but at least yeah. you're not alone. When you think about what's next for you guys, like what's what's really exciting coming up? We're working on two major things that unfortunately I can't really mention yet, but we're really, really excited about that are going to be incredibly innovative, but also I think set some big trends for the beverage industry. That's exciting. That sounds like another podcast interview will be in order at some point. Yeah, absolutely. Because then I want to talk about this. Yeah. And like I said, this is what keeps you sane and it's the yeah. fun part of the job where there's no shortage of innovation and product ideas, you know, and that part of you, when you said to me, what's different, how we've, and I'm not about bureaucracy, but how we formalize processes to make sure that we don't make errors. And that once you start doing this, it becomes routine, you get really good at it and you can deliver innovation, both timely, but in a real quality way. And that's, you know, it's something that this process has made it so much fun and so collaborative and we have so like no shortage of ideas. So, but the couple that we're working on right now for next year, we're really excited about, really excited. That's really cool. And you know what my favorite thing about this conversation is, and I mean, my company's been around for a long time and we're constantly pivoting and innovating and um, you're in an industry right now where there are small startups popping up all over the place. And you guys have been around for a long time. And a lot of brands that have been around for a long time haven't survived or are not doing well, but it sounds like you are. So tell me the secret. I think a lot of people don't like to say this or use it, but I think it's about forward thinking. I think it's about listening to your consumers. And there's a lot of luck. That's what people don't like to say. I had a coach in high school. You know, his his definition of luck was when preparation meets the need. Yeah. 
So I think that you're creating your, your, your luck, but I think we've been forward thinking and put ourselves in positions to be able to take advantage of things as they, as they, as they occur. And I think that's a lot of it, but I'm a firm believer, like every consumer comment that we get, I see. And a lot of times I'll reach out to that consumer. I'll tell you a funny story. So this one comes across and, and, you know, we're getting, we're getting more friendly packages to ship away from glass. But, you know, when we started, if we were only a glass package, we had to ship it. When we went on, on e-commerce on Amazon, this family writes and said, we love your root beer. We ordered it from Amazon. It showed up and half the bottles were broken and we bought it for our eight-year-old son who's a big fan of your Virgil's root beer and whatnot. And I looked at where they wrote it from. And they were like two towns over. Oh, wow. So I called our consumer team and I said, look, send them back a note that we're, we are going to personally deliver and you're going to have a special guest deliver it. And I showed up with a couple of cases of root beer and a bunch of swag hats, shirts and stuff for this kid. And I don't know who was more excited, the kid or the parents, but they wouldn't oh let me God. leave. They wouldn't let me leave. So great. So I think part of it is listening to your consumers. There's a lot of whack jobs out there that don't know what they're saying, but for the most part, consumers want to be heard and they and they make very valid points. That's like, man, we got that wrong, or we, we got to modify this slightly. But I think they will lead you to where you need to be, right? But you 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 have to put your ego, check your ego at the door and really listen. And that's something I learned back from my Sobe days too. Listen to your consumers. And we, I think we do a really good job of that. And we respond to everyone. I, I had probably the most pleasurable consumer friendly company I ever dealt with. It was Maui Jim. Broke a pair of sunglasses, went online, got their form, filled it out, mailed my sunglasses back, got a call. They replaced everything. It was like a brand new pair of sunglasses in like a week. And I was like, wow, customer friendly, customer focused company. And I told everybody that I, I told everybody that I could tell, hey, look at these glasses. Let me tell you a story. Right. And that's contagious. Extremely. Right. So I really believe in, and we, we, we send a note out. If you write to us that we'll respond to you in 72 hours or less. And like I said, a lot of times I will respond to people. I'll say, I'll take this one. But we do that. I think we do a really good job. And I'm trying to make every consumer experience good when it may not have started out that way. That's amazing. I mean, sometimes I think the bad experiences that you do right by are the ones that become the people that love you the most and advocate yeah. for you the most. That's really important. I love the story because... A long time ago, when that happened with you with your sunglasses, maybe you didn't go post and share that with you know twenty thousand people. But now, great stories like that get shared all the time. So that's yeah. incredible. That makes a lot of sense, and it's a really it makes me feel good because it that's probably a big part of the reason why you guys are still around and doing so well. Yeah, I mean, think about it. If you take your job serious and someone doesn't like the job you're doing, that bothers that bothers me. It's like, yeah. I didn't, I disappointed that person. Yep. How do I make that better? And how do I learn from that? Yep. And we really take it seriously. And we've got a great person that mans our consumer response task too. And I'm really proud of the job that we do there. And we track, we track every comment complaint to see, look for trends to see what we're doing. In fact, that's how we found a flaw in our, in our quality control process to consumer complaints that, forced us to dig in deeper and say, what, 
there's got to be something here. And we found it. And we wouldn't have found it unless people complained. That's so fantastic. I love it. Love it. So I don't want to take up too much more of your time, but do you have any advice for brands that are, so I'd say, I mean, sometimes it's startups and early stage brands, but I'd say anybody, do you have advice for people who are just like, what do we do next? How do we stay relevant or anything, anything that you've had? Well, I, I, I think, you know, as I said, you got to listen to your consumers. You have to be flexible, but at the same time, I call it umpire ears. You can't listen to everything and change and want to appease everybody. You have to kind of stick to your, you know, what's your, what's your mission and what you want to accomplish and, and don't let that drive you crazy. But the other thing too is the reason why 99% of people and companies fail is, is they're undercapitalized, right? Mm-hmm. And everybody says, well, we don't want to dilute. So we'll raise this much money and then we'll go to this and then we'll do you know, another raise. And the problem is, is that you don't have enough to get there in the first place. So your, your yeah, strategy yeah. is flawed. So you can never raise too much money, but be flexible, listen to your consumers and stay true to who you are. And I think if you do that, those are some key fundamental things that there's no guarantee for success. But I mean, I, the mistakes that I see people make are undercapitalized, trying to make everybody happy when you can't, right? And really deviating from what their original mission was. Because if you look at the companies that have been successful, even most recently, they've stayed true to who they were, right? Yes. Uh, Yes. hundred percent. They've made, they've made corrections along the way, but they haven't deviated from what their mission was and they've stayed true to that. And you look at it and you're like, wow, I take my hat off to them because that's what they said. Nobody's perfect out of the gate and they've corrected their course when they had to, but before they stayed on to what they wanted to accomplish and what their product was and look at where they are today. Yep. I think that's really great advice. And I, I hope that people actually heard that because I think that it's tempting when things aren't going exactly the way you thought they would, and they never do to start to say, well, what am I doing wrong? Should I change something? And then you start to change. And then the next time something goes wrong, you change again and consumers are just confused. And eventually they, they don't even remember who you are. And I think they walk away to somebody else. Yeah, because I'll give you a great example. Right before I joined the company, they did a major overhaul in their labels, the company. And I think they, the job that was done was really, really good. I like it. I'm like, that. it's classy. It stays true to who we are. But it really reflects today's day and age. Despite that, we had so many complaints that we changed our formulas. We didn't change the thing. The label changed. Oh, wow. That's wild. When you change... Your labels, you're changing your formula. Yeah. And, and we had, and, and a great, another great example is, you know, because of COVID, we had a hard time getting certain colors of glass, like amber, which we put our root beer in, couldn't get it. So as a CEO, you have to make a decision. Do I stop producing or do I put my root beer in Flint clear glass? Because there are root beer, some companies that put it, predominantly they put it in amber or brown glass, but there are companies that use clear glass, right? So I said, we're putting in clear glass. People complain that we changed the formula. Wow. Same liquid, different color glass. And we respond back, okay, because of COVID and what's going on with supply and demand and the supply chain, we couldn't get that colored glass. So we put it in clear glass. So you could get our root beer. But simple things like that, People think that you change. So you have to be very careful 
to your point about constantly changing things and confusing your consumer because you could not change a thing other than update a label or change the color of your glass and people swear that it tastes different. Yep. Yep. It's true. It's interesting. Wow. So much good stuff. Anything you want to add before we wrap up? I mean, I think there's great advice and I love that. I love that it's coming from a brand that's been around. I really think that it's important because I think that some of the things that you talked about, staying true to who you are, listening to consumers, those are the the real qualities of successful brands that have a shot at making it in the long term. You know, yeah, I think the point is kind of what I start off with. I know that we're ex- more expensive than a lot of other brands that we sit next to competitively, but you know, if you look at our ingredients and look what's not on our, our label, like sodium benzoate is a preservative, mm-hmm. right? Which I don't think is good. We don't use preservatives in our product. Our full sugar, we use cane sugar, not high fructose corn syrup. And there have been a lot of products that are competitive to set that use high fructose corn syrup. So if you look at the quality of our ingredients and the process by which we make our products, like our ginger beer that has pineapple, lemon, lime juice, honey, fresh organic ginger, not extract. It costs more to get that, those ingredients. And as a result, you're going to pay more, but you're getting a far superior quality product. And, you know, I, I really bothers me when I see people complaining saying that we're just, we're sacrificing things to make corporate profits. We're the farthest from the truth. Quality's always been our number one value. Right. And we, and we and we strive to live up to that. But we do assemble natural, non-GMO quality ingredients. And if you compare our labels to other competitive labels, you're going to find out they don't have those ingredients. And you're also going to find out what we don't have that yeah. they have, which I think separates our products. And, that, and I'm I'm proud of that. But sometimes people overlook those things and say, why is this product this and that product's that? price turn around and read the labels and that's that's who we are and we've always been awesome it sounds like a great brand and i i've obviously tried it a bazillion times and i hope that people who've never even heard of you because they aren't in that market right now or also maybe have tried other newer brands get to try reads because it is a great brand and i love all the things you said so great thank you so much for your time i really appreciate it yeah thank you for having me i enjoyed it Thank you for listening to The Irresistible Factor. I'm Christy Bridges, and I can't wait to see you next Wednesday.